what I want to share here in the next couple Sundays is just um, talking a bit more about discipleship and our our growing in Jesus. That's something that um, we really just want to be uh, focusing on in this coming year all the more. We've kind of started that. There's a, a discipleship group that's been meeting during our first uh, service for the last number of months now. And, and Pete Jansen has been leading a group through um, a book that we've gone through um, in our church repeatedly and just designed to take people through. It's the Growing Strong in God's Family, the, the 2-7 series, and they're wrapping up here today. And that is just a, a wonderful book and just really discipling and growing us and just leading people into uh, just a real strong foundational relationship with Jesus. And what's interesting is we, we ended last week in John 21, seeing that restoration and, and reinstatement of Peter. We saw Jesus say to Peter a couple times, Peter, follow me. And Peter starts to get a little distracted about John after Jesus has laid out to Peter basically, hey, Peter, let me share with you how you're going to die, you know. Uh, there's been times in your life where you've kind of done what you want, but there's going to come a time where people are going to lead you and they're going to stretch out your arms. And, and, and basically Jesus was talking about this, this form of crucifixion by which um, G- Peter would eventually die. And then Peter starts to get distracted about, well, what about John? Jesus, why don't you tell John how he's going to die? How about you spread the love, tell other people some tragic news, you know? And what does Jesus say? He says, Peter, what is that to you? If he stays alive till I come, what is that to you? But Jesus says again, you follow me. So I want to look at here the next couple of Sundays, what this looks at, look like a little bit more about following Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? So we want to take some time and talk about those things here over the next couple Sundays here. Now, what's interesting is that word disciple is used. And I'll see if I can get some of our, our slides up here. That word disciple is used 269 times in the New Testament, whereas the word Christian is only used three times. We put a lot of emphasis on, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And, and, and that can become a very cultural term that we use. A lot of people can say, oh, sure, I'm a Christian. Well, I mean, my parents have gone to church, and I used to go to Sunday school when I was little. So, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. We can throw that term around a lot, but Jesus isn't so concerned about raising up Christians Jesus has always been concerned about raising up disciples. And that's why that term is used. Jesus used that term as we were going through the Gospel of John. He used that term repeatedly, disciples. Now that word disciple essentially means a learner. A disciple then is one who is growing and progressing in their walk. And it doesn't end when they get saved. That's just the starting point. In fact, right here today, I'm sure that It'd be safe to say that there are some here that have made that decision to, to receive that salvation of Jesus Christ freely. And, and yet, for them, that's become not just the starting point, but the end point. It's been like, okay, I guess I've arrived. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm saved. Wonderful. Okay. And for some, that's not just the starting point. It's the ending point as well. It's, there's, been no, there's been no progression there's been no growth. There's been no continuing on in, in following. And yet that's what being a disciple is all about. 
It's saying I'm, I'm here presently, but I want to keep progressing in the things of God. How about you? Are you following with forward motion? Are you, are you progressing or are you faltering? Maybe become a little stagnant in your walk with the Lord. So I want to talk about some of these things. I want to talk here today about even stages of, of spiritual growth. And, and I'm sure you will find yourself on one of these levels here, these stages of spiritual growth. Now, it begins with every one of us at one point in our lives being spiritually dead. All right? That's not very comforting. That's not very encouraging to see. But we understand and know that the Bible says you, you must be born again. As Jesus mentioned to Nicodemus and talked to him about being born again, and we'll get to that verse in in just a little bit here. But every person needs to be born again. Why? Because sin has come into the world and every one of us has been infected and impacted by sin. And sin has separated us from God. You see, God has created us to be in a relationship with him. To enjoy this life that he has given us. But sin has marred that and ruined it. And it's gotten in the way of us enjoying this relationship and fellowship with God. Sin has separated us from God and it's caused us to be in a state of being spiritually dead Ephesians 2 verse 1 and 3 says and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we're by nature children of wrath just as the others. So you get the idea. We were all once <clears throat> dead men walking, right? We were spiritually dead. And we needed to be made alive. Now that's tragic to think of it that way to go, man, I was dead. But the great thing and the good news is that God has done something to fix us and to bring us back into a right relationship with him. You see, he sent Jesus to come into the world, to die on a cross. And by dying on a cross, what Jesus did is he paid the penalty for our sin. He desired to come and, and take that sin upon himself, being the perfect sinless one, fully God, and yet fully man, able to identify with us and take our place and to die so that we would not have to. He died so that we could be made alive. He he took the penalty of our sin upon himself. He took the judgment of God so that we could be saved and be brought back in a right relationship with him. See, we can't save ourselves through, through good works or good behavior, and yet a lot of people try. I talk to a lot of people that profess to be believers, and yet that seems to still be the track that they're on where they think their access to heaven is about trying to be good, do good things. Listen, you'll never do enough. There's only one person that's been good. And perfectly, that's Jesus. And he came to step in and take our place. Take the judgment of God for us that we could be saved. He's provided the means to make that possible. And it's all passed on to you by faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2 continues to say in verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, it's not about you. You don't get yourself to heaven. Jesus does. You put your faith in Jesus and that's been given to you free of charge. It's grace. That's what grace is. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. So God's done the work. We were all in that boat, spiritually dead. 
But God desires to bring us into life in him through Jesus. And so those that repent of sin, put their faith in Jesus, well, here's where they begin. Being a spiritual infant. They repent of their sin. They put their faith in Jesus. They're born again. And now there's new life. Just like a mother gives birth to a a little baby. There's new life that comes into the world. Jesus said it this way in John 3. Again, that conversation with Nicodemus. He says, Jesus answered and said, And most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, so we recognize that you must be born again. New life must be imparted to you, not through Jesus. However, this new life is just that. It's new life, and it needs to grow, Right? It's a new life that can be messy at times. Just follow a one-year-old around for a little bit and you'll recognize and realize, man, this, this gets very messy. This can get very complicated very quickly. And it's why they need direction and guidance in this new life with Jesus now. person that's newly born and newly born again, they need help figuring things out. They don't know what's up or down sometimes. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes now desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So there's that exhortation. Listen, as new babes in Christ, man, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow thereby. We need to bring that direction and guidance and help along the way. So, after a person becomes that spiritual infant, well, we desire there to be growth now and growth where they become that spiritual child. Now, those of you with young children, you know... What is most dominating their focus? It's themselves. Their own pleasure, their own satisfaction. Children are very preoccupied with self. Everything that goes on, they want it to be about them and for them. They, they want life to be very comfortable for them. That's why they're quick to shed tears when things suddenly don't go their way, right? And that can go on anywhere from two to 12 or up to 35 that that's kind of can be a common thing that you'll see among these people so the desire is to get their eyes off of self and onto jesus paul would write in galatians 419 my little children for whom i labor in birth again until christ is formed in you you see let's see christ being formed them, them being being brought into that likeness of Jesus Christ. Second Timothy two fifteen says, "Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." Now again, don't don't read into that about working for your salvation. No, it's about growing, growing in your relationship with the Lord, progressing in your walk with Him. And then after spiritual children, you become a spiritual young adult. This person starts to think about. The real world now, just think about young adults, they're moving on from, you know, high school, getting into college or, or into, uh, you know, new careers and stuff. They're starting to think more beyond just themselves and what's really going on in the, in the real world and the work that needs to get done. 
They start growing out of a preoccupation with self. They start looking at how they can make a difference now. They start seeing what can be done even to serve the Lord when it comes to being a spiritual young adult. They become much more kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded. 1 John 2, verse 14 says, I've written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Hebrews 5, verse 13 and 14, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And in John 8, 31 to 32, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall, be, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So here's Jesus again. Not saying, oh, you know, if you abide in my word, then you'll be Christians or... No, he says, you'll be my disciples. Not the ending point. It's the, that road of progression. Continuing to learn and, and grow. And then after spiritual children, we see spiritual parents. Guess what parents do? They reproduce. Right? That's what makes you a parent. You've had children. You've reproduced. They make more people. And a spiritual parent is not just looking at how they can grow. They're coming alongside others and discipling them. They're actively helping other people grow now in their relationship with Jesus. Look what 1 Corinthians 4.15 says. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul was a great spiritual parent, wasn't he? Paul came alongside to see other people grow and, and become disciples themselves. And then after spiritual parent, we have spiritual elder. These are people that are not just discipling new believers. They're teaching others how to disciple other people. And then you just begin to see this multiply and grow all the more, not just helping other people get discipled, but helping other people disciple other people. And it just goes on and spreads in, in, a, in a greater way. What a joy it is to see people investing into other people to see them grow and help other people grow. Second Timothy 2 verse 2 says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now you might not be there right now, but it should definitely be an aim that you have in life to say, Lord, I don't want to just be a disciple. I want to disciple other people. And I would love to help other people begin to disciple other people. Do you know what kind of, uh, uh, of strength spiritually we begin to see happen? When we begin to have that objective in mind, that goal in mind within this church to where we begin to say, Lord, I want to be actively helping other people help other people grow. Think about what would happen. Man, I just get excited when I think about that. Now, as we look at this growth chart that we see here, look at where you would put yourself on that list. Where do you see yourself fit in there? And, and, and I've seen all types. I've seen people that have been Christians for, or, or you know, professed Christians for 20, 20 plus years and still be in that spiritual infant state. They're still needing to be coddled, spoon-fed, 
or maybe bottle fed. But the desire is to grow. As you look at that list and you begin to evaluate, where, where do I fit in that? Where do I see myself? The next question is, where would you like to be? Where do you want to grow in that? Where do you want to advance to? Maybe this year you're looking at going, Lord, I want this to be a goal of mine this year that I would not be remaining in that spot that I see myself in, but Lord, that I would grow. And, and Lord, I want to move to whatever spot it is, but maybe make that a, a goal that you have for this year. Say, Lord, where would you want me to be? Now, let me ask you this. And we can get a little interactive right now. We don't get to do this typically. So this is different Sundays, of course, that we have here kicking off our new year. What would you say and throw some answers? What would you say are some things that hinder growth? Pride, that's a good one. Self, disobedience, yeah. Social media, oh, yeah, it's a big one. Distractions, that sort of a thing. What else? Jealousy, yeah. Your own worries, anxieties, yeah. Yep. Unforgiveness, sure. Those are good. Laziness, yeah, definitely. Not feeding yourself with the word. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Not taking in the word. Yeah. Those are great answers. Those are good. None of which I had actually down in my notes, but they're all great. No. Those are super. And so we need to look at, you know, Lord, what what is hindering my growth? Lord, what are some things that maybe I need to put away or surrender to you. There's so many things that can hinder us. It, it can be just our own attitudes and pride and self, focus on self. There can be maybe compromise in our lives. Maybe a wrong concept of God where we think, ah, oh, he's not really interested in me. He's, he's not, he's, ah, why do I need to grow? He's not really involved in my life. Maybe it's, your own comfort and you like where you are and you don't want to maybe do the work or put in the effort to say, Lord, I want to, I want to take in the word. I want to, I want to spend more time with you. I want to, I want to grow. You know, in, in Luke chapter nine and, and actually, yeah, turn over to Luke chapter nine this is a great chapter that kind of deals with this area of discipleship. <clears throat> you know, the key to this chapter is, is in verse 23, which has been just kind of a, a real life verse for me. Luke nine twenty three. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus doesn't just say, you know, oh, receive that forgiveness of sins and be saved. No, he says, and if anyone desires to come after me, you got to lay yourself down. Take your cross meant that, man, you're willing to die, sacrifice yourself. And he says, follow me. 
That's kind of going to be our, our theme, you know, for the year here. Following Christ, but not just following him. That means that we're, we're growing, we're progressing, we're learning. We're being disciples. And Jesus doesn't, and what I love about this is Jesus in this chapter a couple times is telling his disciples, hey guys, I, I, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And it's there that I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise again three days later. Jesus isn't calling us to anything that he himself hasn't gone and done himself. And he calls us all to walk that Calvary road. He doesn't call us to walk that Calvary road and say, you guys go for it. Get out there and just try. He says, follow me because that's the path that Jesus took, isn't it? In, in verse 51 of Luke 9, look at this. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem where he knew and he's already revealed a couple times in this chapter to his disciples what would be meeting him there, the cross. Jesus with a, a courage and a strength and a purpose, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem where he would give up his life and sacrifice. And he calls us to do the same. Have we been willing to follow Jesus knowing what it means to follow Jesus? Knowing that it means we walk that Calvary road where we're ready to surrender everything. What did Jesus say to Peter there in John 21? Peter, do you love me more than these? In other words, Peter, are you you willing to give up everything to follow me? Are we willing to lay it all down? And that, that can be a real downer for some to think, oh man, this is a little bit more intense than I want. This is, this is a little bit more heavy or, or sacrificial. Man, I just want a comfy, cozy life. But, but can I just remind you that living all in for Jesus, going all out for Jesus is the life that's going to be most enjoyed, most blessed, that's going to be most exhilarating and exciting. Now, when I try to do things my way, oh man, that doesn't end well. When I go Jesus' way, when I follow him, when I say, Lord, I, I want to I wanna walk that Calvary road. I want to have a love for you that's greater than everything else, man. That's when we really begin to experience that abundant life that Jesus has for us. Are we letting anything get in the way of that? Jesus challenges that cost of discipleship at the end of the chapter here. Let me just read through this verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What Jesus is doing here is he's challenging this man's perspective. When we follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be comfortable and rosy that our bank account's going to be full, our promotions are just going to be happening every month at work. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be comfortable, as some people may have thought. Jesus says, hey, follow me, understand what that means. It may mean that there's times where it might be hard. But here's the great thing. Man, we have security in Jesus. We have peace. 
We have joy in Jesus that, that goes beyond our present circumstances. And we know where we're heading. There's no other place, no other way that takes us there to heaven other than through Jesus. In other words, it's, it's all worth it. So Jesus challenges this man's perspective. But then look at verse 59. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now that, to some might go, oh, that's kind of harsh, Jesus. This guy's just awesome. What's implied here is that this man hasn't lost his father. He's saying, let me return back home and be with my family until they, they move on. Then once, you know, those things are no longer a part of my life, then I can go and follow you. In other words, Jesus is challenging this man's priority. First man, he challenges his perspective. Now he challenges his priority. See, nothing is as important as committing one's life to Jesus and saying, Lord, my love for you is greater than anything else I have. And lastly, Jesus challenges this next person's passion. Look at verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is Jesus your greatest passion? Or have you begun to waver? Have you begun to have a passion for other things to where you're starting to look back? You're starting to look at former things. You're starting to look at inferior things with a little bit greater love or passion or desire than you ought. Has Jesus become your, your chief passion? Is he truly the Lord of your life? Yeah, this passage here is about the cost of discipleship. But it's something that we need to look at and go, am I truly willing to follow the Lord? Because some of you I know, I shouldn't say that. Let me, let me put it this way. There, there are those that have said, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. But they've allowed these other things to, to rob them of the fullness of life that Jesus has for them. Uh, of, of growing and progressing. They've been hindered in their growth because other things have come in. So I want to I give you that 2020 New Year's charge here today. Have you counted the cost? Are you willing to say, Lord... I'm going to follow you. I don't want to let anything get in the way. I want to, I want to grow in my walk. I want to be a learner, disciple this year. And, and not just settled where I'm at, but growing, advancing in that growth with you so that I can be even more fruitful in my life and have a greater impact on other people. And in the end, and you just get to enjoy the, the abundance of life that Jesus has for you. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to really have Christ the center of your life. How do we do that? And we're going to look at some very practical things next week that I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Some of, some of it might be stuff you've, you've seen and, and heard before, um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that growth and, and how we begin to develop this life now of being a, a follower of Jesus. Okay? Let me pray, and then we'll dismiss. 
Lord, we thank you for this day, and, and Lord, a little bit unique day today as we just kind of look at some of these things and, and hear from one another, and it's been sweet, Lord. And I just pray for um, my friends here today. We pray for this church. I pray for myself, Lord, because, God, I, I desire that we are those that are, are truly making that decision to follow you and, and to understand what that really means. Because we may have, have had a, a, a bit of a, a tainted view of what that really means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe we haven't really counted the cost. But Lord, that's a, a weird way to say it, counting the cost, because, oh, there's, there's things that might come, but we know that it is far greater than anything else we could experience in life to, to simply be a follower of you, Jesus. Nothing else will ever compare to that. To that. So I pray that we will be a church, we'll be people individually that are, are, are growing and maturing, that we're not compromising, we're not settling, we're not just becoming stagnant in our walk, Lord, but we're being renewed and revived, Lord, and, and seeing you do, do great things in us and using us as we grow in you. So Lord, Lord, we just pray that we will take that charge to follow you seriously, and we'll look at that fresh and anew here today. So we ask this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.